Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. another episode of musicals taught me everything i know brought to you by us well me kb your host and miranda selwood with julie eisentrager and our super special guest today josh mulheron josh it's really nice to have you in the studio thanks for having me it's good to be here oh mate what show are you talking to us about i'm currently doing jersey boys what yes he's doing it he's like real life in it and stuff what like actually in it yeah, we, do, we I'm, have I'm famous people now. Currently in uh, Jersey, New Jersey, over in America right <laughs> oh, now. Yeah, look at that on the phone live to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you would never know listening to this <laughs> that he's t- he's joking. Um, so before we jump into Jersey Boys, Josh, we're going to do our um really famous getting to know you quiz. Ooh. Getting to know you. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'd be excited. Okay. All right. He does look um, excited. <laughs> And nervous. Who am I? <laughs> you tell us. <laughs> okay. That's not one of the questions, so you'll be fine. Okay. Fine. Let's start with question number one. Which musical character would other people compare you to? Uh, the one I probably got from the earliest would be Ryan from High School Musical. Oh, excellent. <laughs> yes. Wait, which one's Ryan? Mm. <laughs> I'm Zach Efron. No. <laughs> <laughs> not Zac Efron's character. That's awesome. I love Ryan. Ryan's the best character in the whole part. Um, I'm going to move on before I offend Zac Efron. Um, which musical character would you like other people to compare you to? Ooh, to compare me to? Yeah. I mean, probably Elphaba. Doesn't everybody want to be compared to uh, You know. Just Why she's not? She's you look fierce. good in green. That's, that's it, green. Yeah. She wears black all the time if you're into that. Yeah. 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 yeah, great. She can do magic. That's yeah. She can. Some some pros in there. Yeah, great. I'm, I'll take it. Alphaba, there we go. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Josh wants to be compared to Alphaba. And a gender swap as well. Why not, you know, yeah, put yeah. in there as do well. Yeah. So then what is your dream role? Uh, my dream role would be Frank Abagnale Jr. from Catch Me If You Can. Um, Good choice. Good yeah. choice. Well, look, I think they're all great answers. We haven't had Catch Me If You Can in the in the list of no, no of dream roles yet, have we? Really? No, no. no. Oh, it, for me, like every song in that show, at least for Frank, is just you know, it's a is a banger after banger. It's, it's true. I know there's something really cool about that show where it's. I don't know, kind of set like a TV and it's kind of like he is the, well, I mean, he's obviously the lead, but, yeah, he's the kind of a showman that I think every musical theatre guy mm. kind of aspires to be growing up. So, yeah. yeah, there's something really cool about his character. And yeah, and that he yeah, kind of gets rad. to play a lot of characters yeah. within the character yeah. too. Yeah, it's like so an actor being an actor. you've got a lot to play actor. with. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's cool. 
Fun time. It is a fun time. I'll see it. I'll book tickets. Will you? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, keep us posted, Josh, when that happens. (laughs) Um, What is your favourite Sondheim show? Uh, Probably Sweeney Todd. Good one. Mm. <laughs> I can't help it. I have to do it. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Every Guys, time. you probably sung along then with Miranda since <laughs> every time. <laughs> um, and at the moment, what is your go-to shower song? Oh, it's it's probably going to be Walk Like a Man from Jersey Boys. Because yeah. if, you know, I'm, I'm probably warming up in the shower as well. So it's like, do I have the notes today? Yeah, okay, it's, okay. it's there. Let's, let's go. It's a good day. Good one. Um, now, we've, we've gotten to the, like, the controversial question. Um, I know that you've prepared the answer, but <laughs> you have to delete one musical from existence. Which one is it? Uh, look, I've been told I can't actually delete this one anymore because it's been done nine times, but I would delete Cats. Yeah. I'm sorry. So gone, that would gone. be double digits. Sorry, but, yeah. uh, gone. Already gone. Also, I, I guess in uh, in lieu of that one, I would get rid of Starlight Express. <gasps> I'm sorry, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, I, no, used to I don't it. think we need <laughs> sorry, to be sorry to Andrew Lloyd Webber anymore. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is, you know, actually I did, I did go and see Cats when it was here a couple of years ago and... It was the new edition of it, um, and one of my best mates, Daniel Aceta, was playing the Rum Tum Tugger, but he was playing the, the, uh, the he was playing the rapping <laughs> Rum Tum Tugger. So oh. he had the dreadlocks and you know the baggy pants, and he came out and he was rapping. It was yeah, they did like an updated version to it. Ooh, please, Julie um, Eisentrager, how do you feel about <laughs> dreadlocks and baggy pants on a Rum Tum Tugger? I feel like the pants just have to be tight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can wear tight pants and Rao maybe can't. Uh, maybe. But, you know, be- can't. Between, between him and Delta Goodrum was obviously in it as well. It was, it was, it was a pretty good show. Like, it's, it is a classic. Uh, it just doesn't resonate with me. Yeah, we but. all get it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm. And those of us out there that are listening that don't get it, one day you will. And you'll want to delete cats too. You'll get a little <laughs> bit older. Just a little bit older and will, you'll realise. I'll apologise to all of my friends that did do cats. You were all fantastic, but. <laughs> well, that's a, I think um, as a performer is probably the only way you can appreciate that show. If you're in it and you're doing the choreography, then maybe everything oh, else. Oh, I think it would be more of, fun to do. Oh. Then, then to absolutely, watch. they they all said to me they were like, "There's nothing as incredible as doing the Jellicle Ball. Like the movements yes. are so classic. It's yeah. it's such a fantastic dancers piece, and, and also the music as well is insane." But I guess I don't know. For me, as a as a performer and actor sitting in the uh, the audience watching, I'm like, oh, I just can't. Once there's, there's I'm enough. not with there's you. There's something I can't break the wall. Being like, these yeah. people are actors pretending to. To be cats. To be cats. Yes. Which in, in itself is, is fantastic. Like, again, you can't highly rate the actors enough, but the show itself is not for me. Yep. No, so we'll um, we're going to stop justifying while we <laughs> Sorry, are cats. deleting cats. Um, we're going to take a little mini break and then we're going to jump straight into Jersey Boys. I love a mini break. <laughs> So let's talk about my favourite musical ever. I love Jersey Boys. I'm so excited. Favourite ever? Yeah. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. I just, I, I just really enjoy it. This is why we should be best friends. Yeah. Okay. Aren't we already? Do you like Jersey Boys too? <laughs> yeah. Everyone loves Jersey Boys? Yeah. Are we talking about a show that we all actually oh like? My goodness. <laughs> Guys, this has never happened. Rare. It's very but rare. But it's happening. <laughs> um, Can I just check? Producer Zane. 
Do you like Jersey? Yes, he oh does. Oh my goodness. This is the best. Wait, why haven't we done this sooner? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I feel like this hasn't happened in a long time. We haven't had at least one person at the table who's just gone, meh, meh, about it. So I'm glad that you're here for yeah. this. I, I also really it. like Jersey Boys as well. Yay! <laughs> that, that's really lucky. Yeah. It's super yeah. lucky. Well, why don't we talk about where Jersey Boys has come from, a little bit of history, you know, all the fun facts. Have you got those for us, Joe? Sure. Yes. Let me just <laughs> let me take a quick look at my notes here. Yeah. Uh, so where should we we should start off? I guess in the early two thousands, um, Bob Gordio, one of the original members of the Four Seasons, uh, they had a discography that was miles and miles long, mm. uh, and he hired the writers Rick Ellis and Marshall Brickman, uh, and also the director Des, um, to kind of create a show similar to the vein of Mamma Mia, which was really successful on Broadway at the time. Because uh, they had this long list of songs, they were like, "Oh, we could put together a show from the Four Seasons soundtrack to kind of create a story." And I think the original story was kind of going along the lines of this love story of a girl called Sherry, and and you know the guy would follow oh. along. I'm really glad they didn't do that. <laughs> so yeah, but um, <laughs> just the face from Julie Eisenberg right now. Um, yeah, but obviously following from you know Mamma Mia of, of a love story. So the guys kind of sat down and they were trying to you know, brainstorm of how to put together this show of, of their music and the writers went, oh, well, what happened in your life to inspire all these songs? And the guys kind of went, well, oh, here we go, you know, back with Frankie Valli, Tommy DeVito, Nick Massey, Bob Gordio, when they all came together, there's this crazy story of them meeting and how they had ties to the mafia and the huge debt that the band then got themselves into through the breakup and loss of members to the reforming with new members, rebranding, and the story that they told um, Marshall and Rick just kind of jumped off the page and they were like, that's the story that we're going to write for this musical. You know, we're going to write a Four Seasons musical about the Four Seasons. Uh, And I think it was actually possibly the first musical biopic that followed that kind of format of using the songs to tell a story which, you know, has now obviously spurred a lot of different musicals in mm. that kind of um, genre. We, we were yeah. talking about Beautiful, mm. Carol King yeah. recently. Well, that's and it, yeah. then the multitude that can come since then. Yeah. So that, I guess, spurred all these jukebox musicals that followed a biopic. Uh, it star- They started the show back in 2004 uh, in October with a tryout uh, in... San Diego that ran through to January of the next year, which kind of starred a few of the guys that ended up playing in the show. Uh, at that point, they didn't yet have John Lloyd Young, who uh, replaced them for the Broadway uh, run when that started. As Frankie Valley. As Frankie Valley, sorry. Uh, yeah. As Frankie Valley. Uh, so the musical began previews on Broadway uh, in. 2005 in October um, at the August Wilson Theatre, uh, starring John as Frankie. You had Christian Hoff as Tommy DeVito, Daniel Reichardt as Bob Gordio, and J. Robert Spencer as Nick Massey. Um, and the Broadway production ran for 4,642 performances. That's pretty uh, good. So that only closed recently last year, in fact, on January 15th. Two, nice. oh, two years ago. Oh, we're in 2019 now. I know. Yeah. I keep Sorry, this, oh, man. So Jersey Boys <laughs> closed on Broadway in 2017, which I believe makes it one of the longest-running musicals 
Yeah, about the top 10 or something like that. Yeah, it's that's amazing. Yeah. It seems Fact like a big number. It does. Uh, so that's kind of where it began. And since then, they've spurred off numerous um, tours across America. You've got Chicago, Las Vegas. Uh, we then crossed over to the West End in 2008. Uh, I think they started over there uh, and ran for a similar amount of time. It closed in 2017. Uh, and they've just, I believe they've just started off a, another run off Broadway in 2017. We've obviously had a couple of tours here in Australia. And, yeah, now we're back up again. Second time round. Second time. Two or three. Second time round. Two, three. Second time for Australia. Yeah. Um, well, here you go. We've, we've got the one here. The Australian premiere <laughs> uh, opened at the Princess Theatre in Melbourne uh, in July of 2009, uh, starring Bobby Fox, Stephen May. Uh, Scott Johnson and Glaston Toff were the four seasons. Uh, it's done basically everywhere in Australia, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. Uh, it's even been to New Zealand with our tour. Woo! Uh, just jumped across. Just, just jumping jumped. across, you know. Yeah. If you're going to come over here to Australia, Australia, you might as well go visit our cousins across the water. But it takes less time to get there than it does to Cairns. <laughs> yeah. So. That's, yeah, weirdly true. That's <laughs> fine. Wow. Yeah, so it all depends it's... where you're coming from, Julie. <laughs> I think that people who live, like, what what's next to Cairns? Oh. Uh, Never mind. Anyway. Don't um, ask me for geography. Zane just looked it up and it's the 12th longest running show. So wow. almost hit almost the top, top 10. 10. Almost top 10. Um, but it, as you say, it transferred to off-Broadway, so it's it's still, still playing in the region. Yeah. yeah. It's just, just moved next door. Well, that's it. People yeah. just can't get enough of the songs and the hits. So Yeah. I think um, it really proved that, that that model of just take really great music and put a story with yeah. it, some heart in it. Yeah. And ta-da, boom, fantastic. Yeah. Success. I think the, the really Success. cool thing about their story is it's, it's at a little bit of a weird juxtaposition to their music. If you think about Sherry and Walk Like a Man, there's all these really up and poppy songs, but then the story itself is kind of this dark, nitty-gritty yeah, they had run-ins with the mafia. There's a lot of extortion, some violence, money, debt, gambling, all this kind of this story that you wouldn't even think kind of happened to essentially a rock band from the 60s, 70s through the 80s. Mm. So I think that's the thing that people really kind of come in and look. They go, oh, wow, I had no idea this was the story and this is all the things that happened to these guys in their life. And as well as the music being fantastic, I think the story is what people kind of latch onto. They come out being like, wow, what a insane ride and mm. I think that's probably why the writers originally had gone with it they were like this is such an interesting story why would you tell anything else yeah I, yeah. I agree good point it's well done awesome. everyone well done Guys, that's great for those of you who don't know Jersey Boys one what are you doing um, and two maybe we should jump into the synopsis and let you know what this show is all about Hey, KB, what happens in this show? Let's find out. So apparently it happens over, guess how many seasons, guys? Um, Four? I had to check, but yes, you're correct. (laughs) (laughs) And it has a little bit at the end as well. And a finale. And a bit. Four and a finale. So we start in spring, opening on um, not where I thought it was going to open when I first saw it. I was like, Chickens? What's happening? Yeah, chickens. (laughs) (laughs) But I think spring, I think 
Chickens. Chickens. No, it starts with Sesuarela. Um, and it's like. Of course a, it does. Yeah. A dude comes out rapping a modern version. <laughs> Is that how it goes? <laughs> no, it's more like Sesuarela. Yeah. A bit better. It's a so lot of French. French. <laughs> so, so French chic. so chic. Yeah. Um, uh, released in 2000 uh, and is performed and everyone's like, hmm, this is different. Then Tommy DeVito arrives and introduces himself and explains how the song is a cover of The Four Seasons. He offers to tell the story of how the band began, explaining how he started out with a group, the Variety Trio, with his brother Nick DeVito and a friend Nick Massey. So many Nicks. So, little so many Nicks. <laughs> They're all Nicks and Bob. <laughs> That's the fun part. We have to stay historically accurate to the story so all the names are exactly, <laughs> exactly the same as yeah. they are. It could. It works for me. Um, <laughs> they eventually discover the teenager Frankie Castelluccio and take him under their wing, teaching him everything he knows, which is delightful and not so delightful. During these years, Nick Massey helped train Frankie to sing and to- uh, Tommy went in and out of prison. Fun. Yeah. Mm. It's just a revolving door, the, right? Oh, did you just quote the show? Revolving you know door. No. Yeah. How many times I've seen it, guys? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to and jump How many times is that, KB? Eight. Eight times. Let's make it ten. We Let's can make do it ten. We right. can totally you and do I this. Also see it twice. Yeah. Uh, Frankie changed his last name to Valley with an I. KB, did you get a quote? Or? <laughs> well, every Italian name ends with a vowel, right, guys? <laughs> Do you have any uh, examples of that? that? Pizza. That's all I remember. <laughs> pizza. That's actually the last example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Frankie. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, Tommy and Frankie developed a good relationship with mob boss Jip DeCaro, which all sounds so bad, I think. And Frankie fell in love and married Mary Delgado. Oh, that's this the other one that ends one with a vowel. Delgado. <laughs> and she goes, you're Italian, got to end in a vowel. Delgado, Castelluccio, pizza. Yeah, see, I knew uh, pizza was in there, guys. I knew pizza was in there. <laughs> the bit that sticks. <laughs> the food. Yeah. Are we surprised? <laughs> Musically, the band was still struggling and kept changing their name and sound, but without any dramatic success. One day, friend and fellow Jersey boy, Joe, how do you say it? I can't say the last name. Pesci. Thank you. You don't know how to say Joe Pesci's name? Isn't that who you play? That's who I play in the show. Yeah. I, play, I play little Joey Fishers. Look at that. I just panicked and went, oh, I didn't even bother to learn this. How do you say it? That's embarrassing. Joe Pesci. So Joe Pesci comes up to Tommy. <laughs> You know that Joe Pesci's like an actual actor, right? I'm aware. Okay, yeah. just checking. I, I just am. need to know. But still, didn't Yeah, stick. cool. anyway so this guy comes up to Tommy and says that he knows a singer-songwriter who'd be perfect for the fourth for their band Bob Gordio guess what guys what What? season change we're in summer what no way that was so quick I know they do a quick season did Joe do that huh he changed the season maybe maybe secretly (laughs) he has a magic wand (laughs) and Joe Pesci's really a wicked (laughs) Oh, it's <laughs> changing for me. You heard it here goes to a train guy. station and walks through a wall. <laughs> well, I did say previously I wanted to be Alphaba. So yeah. Uh, okay, when you 
girls go see this show. Yeah, oh. we're gonna be watching. <laughs> there's, the no ma- watch. there's no magic in this. We don't. We don't Eyes fly on away. Eyes on one. <laughs> Eyes on the one has several different meanings. Let's move on. Summer. <laughs> so what happens in summer, Julie? Bob Gordier takes over the narration. Delightful. Telling the audience that no matter what Tommy says, he wasn't plucked from obscurity by him, no. since he already had a hit single with Short Shorts. Oh, pardon. Short shorts. Short shorts. Got it. All right. Bob goes with Joe Pesci to see the band perform and is immediately impressed by Frankie's voice. Bob performs the song he'd just written, Cry For Me, on piano, which Frankie, Nick Massey, and then Tommy joining in with the vocals, bass and guitar, respectively. I can't read. Anyway. They negotiate an agreement, though Tommy is at first sceptical that Bobby, then still a teenager, will be good for the band. The band eventually gets a contract with producer Bob Crew, but only to sing backup. Crew insists that the band has an identity crisis and needs to make a firm decision on a name and a sound. The band name themselves after the Four Seasons Bowling Alley and Bobby writes them three songs that finally propel them to stardom. Sherry, Big Girls Don't Cry and Walk Like a Man. P.S. Good side note. Personal side note. Personal side note. Every time I hear the song Walk Like a Man, I think of a movie. And I cannot remember the name of it. <laughs> Great side note, Julie. Someone fill it in for me, though. Um, walk the line. No. If they die, they die in a bus crash. Oh. And this is the song they sing all the time. Hearts, Hearts and, and souls. souls. Thank you. Gonna go and Google that and buy it on eBay. If you haven't seen Hearts and Souls, we've just ruined the ending of it. Oh, that's wow. the beginning. That's the beginning. No, that's We're the beginning. fine. That's the beginning. They're all that's ghosts, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I've never seen uh, it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, anyway, the beginning of the quick, movie. Anyway. Move on, Jersey Boys. In the wake Jersey of their success, so many distractions. <laughs> Bob also chalks up a personal first by popping his cherry. Oh God! <laughs> the band's success means that they tour a lot more along the way, discovering the girl band, The Angels. Unfortunately, the constant touring strains Frankie's marriage. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> the constant. Touring. Constant yeah. touring with Is that what you've got written down girl there? Girl bands. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I won't tell you what it really was. Then, yeah. <laughs> and they eventually divorced. You guys can hear that the bunny is constant, constant. touring. Mm. The band continues to enjoy uh, chart successes and until uh, sort of, until after a concert, the band is approached by a loan shark out to claim money owed by Tommy. Honestly, you think he would drop Tommy early on? He but is. he's well, the he leader, yeah, so he, it's hard. He brought them all together. I'd fight yeah. him. He's the, I know he's the you man. would, Julie. <laughs> I know you would. It could have been a very different story it could if the, been. You know, the rest of them had just gone, look. Happily just, married, boring music oh. the end. But <laughs> to be fair, they also didn't know he was constantly taking out all of this money apparently, right? True story. Yeah. Yeah, they had no idea. They had no idea. Completely out of the blue. Yeah. So... What's gonna do? What's gonna happen? Yeah, a loan shark's gonna break. The Probably get an accountant. That's what I was. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Act a two. What? what guys? Season three. Fall. What? Fall. When did? Oh, fall. fall. I, I thought you said fall. Me too. And I was like, where did the third one go? <laughs> fall. Autumn. Autumn. Yeah. Autumn. We're not Autumn America. for Australian listeners. Mm-hmm. Nick Massey taking over as narrator explains that Bob hey, was Nick. narrator. <laughs> 
narrator was so focused on the band's musical success and future that he couldn't see that the band had been in trouble for some time. Tommy had been racking up debts and forgotten bills during a previous tour and that lands the band in jail over the weekend. Oh, at least they all get to be together. <laughs> Which strange. Sure took a lot of comfort in that. <laughs> Which strange things between Tommy and Bob. Nick observes that Tommy became jealous of Frankie's success and closeness with Bobby and attempted to seduce Frankie's new girlfriend, Lorraine. Lorraine? Yeah, that's how that's spelled. The two never confronted each other about it, but the old friendship was not what it used to be. When the loan shark approaches the band for $150,000 owed by Tommy. Yeah. Really should have got an accountant. They had an accountant. It was Tommy. (laughs) I'm also going to point out that that was in 1960, so it's considerably a lot of millions today. Ooh, that's an uncomfortable amount of money. (sighs) Frankie goes to Jip DiCarlo for help, despite Tommy's insistence that he doesn't need it. Ooh, the band, Jip and the Lone Shark come to an agreement. Tommy is to be sequestered in Las Vegas where the mob can keep an eye on him and the band will willingly cover the debt along with an additional half a million in unpaid taxes. Ooh. Half a million? In the 60s. Wow. Oh, this shouldn't be news to me. I have seen the show <laughs> at this time. That's also like my favourite scene in the show. Is it? Yeah, because... I think Nick Massey's like comic timing in that scene accentuates like everything about it. And I just, yeah, I'm hitting the table. Sorry, Zane. And (laughs) listeners. And and listeners. (laughs) Um, I love it so much. And of all the Nick Massey's I've seen, Glastontoff is the best. Because he just nails it every time with the head on the table. It's just, you have to see the show. Move on. All right, we'll see it twice. <laughs> Good. At this time, Nick declares that he's tired of everything and wants out, despite Frankie and Bob trying to convince him to stay. Let's hang on. Yeah? To what we've got. What? No way. Mm. Guess what, guys? What? Winter is coming. <gasps> Whoa. What? Game of Thrones reference? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the dragon comes <laughs> in. We're back to the magic. <laughs> oh, Frankie takes over narration, explaining that though he owes Tommy a great deal, he's aware that their relationship wasn't ideal. And he never understood why Nick decided to leave. Frankie and Bob find replacements to keep the band a quartet. Oh, Devo. Until Bobby announces that he's never been comfortable in the spotlight and Frankie should be a single, i.e. Frankie and the Four Seasons. In his personal life, Frankie's relationship with his daughter Francine is strained and he breaks up with girlfriend Lorraine. Frankie continues to have success thanks to Bobby's songs and his jackpot with uh, Come On Marianne. Couldn't read that just then. The word Marianne. Was not in my vocabulary, but you until said it. it came out my mouth. That's so impressive. It was very scary. Guys. <laughs> I thought I was having a stroke. <laughs> and the almost never released "Can't Take My Eyes Off You," which Bobby fights to get airplay for, along with the success of "Working My Way Back to You," Frankie and Bobby finally finally finish paying off Tommy's debts, and Frankie's life is good until mm. his daughter Francine dies from a drug overdose. Finale. No more seasons. Heartbreaking little moment on a bench. It's awful, Mm. but also the first time since Cats (laughs) I've seen someone die and walk into a light. (laughs) 
I was like, classic. Good move. Love it. Oh, dear. Bob, <laughs> Bob Crew describes the Four Seasons 1990 induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which reunited the original four members on stage one last time. Each member takes a moment to address the audience in turn, explaining his pride at having been with the band and briefly notes what he did afterwards. Finn. The end. Finn. Yeah. That's well, that's it, guys. Yeah. It took us about 20 years to get through that plot, but here we are at the end. Ta da! We made it! Yeah. We made it! Later. We mentioned a few songs in there, but we'll go and we'll give you the list of things right after this. Guys, I know that this is going to be a massive surprise to you all, but all the songs in this show. We're Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons songs. All of what? Really? Like if you listened to this show and were like, I've heard these songs before. No, I lie to you. There are a few that are different. Um, so let's go from the top. Um, obviously, we start with Cessuarela, the French rappy opening of rappy. the show. Can you, can you do that one more time for us, George? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, I don't know. I don't sing the French one, but uh, it starts off with like "Get to the song to let the vibe." Get to the song to let the vibe. Yeah, basically. <laughs> French TV. <laughs> oh, At so least fun. it wasn't baguette. Um, it it, it should have been because <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> um, so then we go um, under the under the street lamp. Is that where we head to after that, Josh? Yes, and we start line. singing um, silhouettes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Um, and you're the apple of my eye is kind of a transitional song. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so it transitions weird. into a nightclub. One of the boys are playing See, at guys. Um, and then we have Frankie Valley singing, "I can't give you anything but love." That's not how that song goes. <laughs> that was basically the melody line. That's yeah, it. that was it. Yeah. That's the rhythm of it. <laughs> Was that like an alto version? Yeah. <laughs> it's the part the that nobody version, like. I can't give you anything but love, baby. <laughs> the alto version. Um, and then Earth Angel. Earth um, Angel. Earth Angel. Um, Made famous by the Back to the Future soundtrack. <laughs> In my mind, yes. that's where that that's song comes from. That's where that song originated. <laughs> oh, it didn't exist before Back to no, the Future. No, no. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch those movies now that I know that that song's oh, really? in there. Yeah. Um, and it then- was written by Michael J. Fox. <laughs> stop, Miranda, stop. Um, and then we go into A Sunday Kind of Love, which is the song that Nick Massey uses to teach Frankie Valley. Yeah, so to they, sing break in, they break into a church at that point and use yeah. the organ to. Mm. Is it oh, really breaking cute. in? They usually open churches. Yeah. Well, I also like how the list of people that are in this particular number is Frankie Valley, Tommy DeVito, Nick Massey, and, and Nick, Nick State. State. The girl doesn't get. A I mean, name. she probably is a lot of other things in this show. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's got a cool sound to it with the organ and the the female voice in there. The they, also, the they also throw on uh, a huge amount of reverb to create the church yeah. kind of echo as well. It's mm. really cool. Um, my Sounds mother's like inside knowledge. Are you allowed to? Yeah, you yeah, would never yeah, have guessed um, that seeing the show. I was going to say, while we're going through all of these early ones, because obviously none of these starting ones are actual four season songs. No. But the interesting thing is. All of these songs were either written by um, Bob Gordio or Bob Crew, who was the producer for the Four Seasons that did all of their songs. 
So the one's coming up um, in about two songs. I'll jump back in for that one as well. She's got a funny story. It has a funny st- guys. We love funny stories. Yeah. So we're just gonna and like run through these quick, next quick, ones get really finish. So you got my mother's, my mother's eyes, eyes, which Woo. Frankie Valley sings because Mob Boss wants him to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I go ape is like they're trying out their new sound and their new name and seeing if they can be a comedy act. And this is where I'll stop you because. Uh, huh. I Go Ape is probably one of the funniest songs in the show. Not not for any particular reason. There's nothing f- necessarily funny about the lyrics. We do have, you know, if you've seen the show, I won't give too much away, but Ape is very, you know, relative to it. But when Bob Crew saw the original musical and heard that song, he'd released this song about four times throughout his career as a producer thinking this, really song, to make it work. this song is a hit. <laughs> I know it's going to be number one. So in 2005, when he saw the show, I think at that point he's in his 80s or something like that, he's watched the whole show and he comes back at the end and goes, oh, I go away. We should release that song again. That's a great song. No! And just for some reason thought that this I Go Ape song, which is really not a, a particularly great song, was just going to be a number one hit. Just so fixated on that. He saw it. It's time is coming. It's, is it now maybe that I tell was, him that I don't remember that song in the show at all? Oh, wow, Julie. But I don't either. It's <laughs> in the like the bit where everyone leaves. <laughs> no. Okay, we'll refresh. I'm just going to hop on the website for just yeah. tickets. I'll, um, I don't I'll try. I'll try and do the Tommy monologue before yeah. it, where he comes down. Um, so they. They've just found this new guy, Hank Majewski, uh, who writes these songs, the comedy songs, and um, they're touring in all these weird Western American country outback towns and they're sitting down at this one place where he goes, you know, we're playing to this town with the population's 12 and we're playing to three Mexicans and a guy with no nose. And throughout <laughs> throughout the 16 bars of the song that we actually do, the four of us on stage get up and leave. Aww. And by the end of the song, there's no one sitting there watching because it's that bad of a song. <laughs> I'm gonna when we're sitting in the audience, Julie, I'll be like, it's coming. This is the song. Okay. Just a gentle nudge yeah. in the ribs. Um, and then we get a little taste test of Bob Gordio's number one hit, Who Wears Short Shorts. Who does wear short shorts? Lots of people these Football days. Players, I think. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> I, you just have to walk around a shopping centre, Julie, and you'll be able to answer that question yeah, for yourself. Um, <laughs> and then we jump into I'm in the mood for love. KB, not now. Inappropriate. Is, oh, one day you'll say yes. Um, <laughs> we... And- Moody's mood for love. Moody's mood for love, which is where Bob hears Frankie's voice for the first time. Yeah, yes. first time he hears it. Yeah, and he's like, "I've got a right for that voice." And magic happens. Yeah, I did. Magic happens. <laughs> yeah, magic happens. There's magic. Um, this show is actually the prequel to Harry Potter, guys. <laughs> oh man, I didn't know Frankie Valley was Dumbledore. <laughs> that changes everything. <laughs> the tiniest Dumbledore ever. <laughs> Um, and then I don't know why these are. There's some that aren't highlighted on the internet. Uh, those are hyperlinks to the actual songs. So, oh. so some of these songs are not obscure enough, but they're very independently released. Or so the next ones that after "Cry for Me," which is a song that was never released by the band. I think it's possibly on a B side, but because when the writers were creating the song, being like, "Oh, we need something here that introduces Bob Gordio and then gets the guys to join." Um, and they were just sitting there and they had a list of about 187 songs of the Four Seasons discography and they went, oh, okay, cry something, cry for me. 
And they went and found this one song. And they went, yep, that's the one. Put it in there. It's so good. So the Cry For Me, the song where you first hear the Four Seasons sound, was never actually a song that they released mainstream, but it's kind of the, the essence of what their first sound was. Yeah. And it introduces the audience. This is the first time they actually hear all four guys sing together as the seasons. And it's awesome. A really interesting choice to to choose something that a lot of the audience wouldn't be super familiar with no. because it says even to the audience, this is something different and yeah. new and special. Yeah. It is super special. It gives me goosebumps. And then we go into um like a series of songs by a series of singers because um the boys went and did backup vocals in mm-hmm. Bob Cruz um studio. So we get an angel cried, I still care and trance, but you only really have like a line or two of each of those. A blip. Yeah, a little, yeah. little snippet. We we call it the smedley for the <laughs> the studio medley. So yeah, yeah. we abbreviate that down. Uh, fun fact for that: An angel cried has recently been covered by Ariana Grande. It's the tight. Oh. It's the starting track on a new album. Does it sound like the original at all? It, it pretty much, yeah. I think she changes it up a few keys, but it's it's almost melodically exactly the same Ooh. what we do in the show. That's awesome. And then we jump in to the hoots, guys. <laughs> These are the ones everyone's been the waiting for. Bangers. Girls, yeah. <laughs> So we go, Sherry, big girls don't cry, walk like a man, uh, December 1963, which is I Want a Night. Oh, Yeah, so we've got the new sound, we've got the hits, they're on the track to stardom. We then meet the angels that they go on tour with, with my boyfriend's back. Um, I feel like I heard that song in a recent song on the radio and I was like, that's my boyfriend's back. You can't use that. Anyway, I'll figure find out what it. that is. I'll find it. Dumb in. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's some lore about they can use it. Anyway, next one, My Eyes Adored You is when the whole breakup starts happening and life starts falling apart a little bit for Frankie. It's very sad. Um, and then Dawn comes in. Really close to the end. Is that a season change? When does Dawn? No, Dawn. Dawn's kind of like the finale of Act One. Mm. Um, There's like a tiny little reprise of Walk Like a Man that kind of finishes. But yeah, Yeah. that's their. That's I guess a kind of point in their history where the Beatles were coming in and taking over. So a lot of the UK artists. uh, And there's a really interesting (laughs) statistic if you look at all the American bands that existed before the British invasion, Mm. uh, and then the ones that exist afterwards the only bands that survive are literally the Four Seasons and the Beach Boys and anybody before the Beatles no longer releases hits. Whoa. And it's just, it's just the Four Seasons and the Beach Boys That's that survive. Crazy. I mean, who's even heard of the Beatles? <laughs> yeah, man, who are those guys? Completely unrelated. <laughs> do, they, do they have a musical? It's not as good as ours. It's really not. It's not. Um, so then we jump into – that's a lot of songs for Act 1 in comparison well, to what's in Act 2. Jukebox shows always have a lot of songs in them. Yeah. They're mostly condensed versions of yes. pop songs. So then they're not written in the same way that musical theatre songs are written with, yeah. you know, an introduction and then a few verses and then a, you know, big development and then, a, you know. So they're, they're compacted comparatively. Yeah. So there's – a lot more of them to fill out the music. It's but they true. also tend to have less complicated books. Yeah. 
Compared to modern musical theatre. Maybe. That's why I like jukebox musicals. Because they just keep singing. They get Not because they just keep singing. That's the reason I don't like musicals. Is because they keep changing the song. Right. And my adult ADHD can deal with that. It's like the skip button on an iTunes. Yeah. It's like I've had enough of that song. Oh, yeah. To be fair, these rotate very quickly in terms of like it's like a little bit of dialogue, a bit of song, a little bit of dialogue, a bit of song. Um, And it's cool staging because they're on live television for a bit and Uh, like that kind of stuff. It's very move. A lot of the musicians too. The The drama comes Um, in. Yeah, so the the, I will go down to this later, I'm sure, but the drum kit actually sits on stage the entire time and is on a revolving kind of moving thing that comes forward. So Yeah, it's on its own truck and it comes forward and it changes to the position of where the club or wherever they're playing. Uh, And we also bring on the guitarist and the bassist. We've got a pianist that comes on at one point. Um, and all the boys have guitars as well. So it's it's literally a rock band on stage in, mm, in almost awesome. every scene. Fun. It's so fun. Anyway, let's get into Act 2. We'll talk about production in a second. Let's get through Act 2 and then we'll get there. All right. So Act 2 opens with Big Man in Town. And then we go into Bergen, which is one of my favourite songs of the whole show. Oh, look at you I go. just love it so much. She's filled with glee, guys. You can see it. Glee. Is, it, is that because Frankie does this really great opening dance move? Yes. Where he goes into this, yeah, you like that. Yeah. yeah no. Really cool. Yeah, I do. I really do <laughs> like it. I just, I just love the era, guys. That's what it comes down to. When music was like music. You know what? Back in my day. Back which in wasn't my day. Because my day was, was the 90s. Day. My day was the 80s, <laughs> just. Oh, okay, when you KB. were born, man. When I was <laughs> born. Um, <laughs> no, but you know when you feel like you've been born in the wrong era? Yeah. Nah, this is the era. Um, I should have been born in 1911. <laughs> 1911. Me too, because like, then by the time it got to 1940. years too late. <laughs> 70 years oh, um, too late. I'll point out that I was born in 94 and I'm currently doing a show that's set in the 60s. So mm. if anybody's a little out of their time, it's probably me. Yeah, it's mm. true. Oh, no, I've lost it. It's gone. Oh, yeah. Act two shows. <laughs> um, we then go into stay and let's hang on. I kind of like melded into the, into one moment. Um, then medley. bye-bye, baby. Come on, Marianne. Can't take my eyes off you. We've talked through all these through the plot, so you know where they sit. Um, working my way back to you is like they're they literally working <laughs> real hard to get that debt paid Pay off. Um, Fallen Angel is when... Um, so the group was literally sort of trapped doing Vegas shows yeah. for years. For years. Oh, not really. Yeah, yeah, the constant touring that broke down his marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, Ragdoll, who loves you, and another, uh, not another. Who reprise. loves you is my favorite. Who loves you is your favorite. Yeah, it's a good one. It is yeah. a good one. If I feel like if I were to jog, <laughs> <laughs> if at any point, song. at some point, I will jog. It'll be to that song. Yeah. Um, and then we finish with a reprise of Oh What a Night. Um, so it's fun. The music's fun. Bangers. It, yeah. Just like good to, song after good song. I can't talk the show up anymore. You've got to stop believing could. me. I yeah, we can give you a little more airtime. One day. We it. can't have like a two and a half hour podcast though, can oh, we? Sure say? we yeah. can. <laughs> Close to the Lamez. Is that the longest episode we've done? Lamez versus Gypsy. One of them was pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not make this one 
any longer than it needs to be, even though it should be really, really long because this is a great show. Let's talk about cast and production elements. Okay. All right, so there have been a lot of people that have been in this show. Well, there have been a lot of productions of this show. Yes. That doesn't mean I know who's <laughs> been in it. <laughs> Let's give it a crack, shall I'm we, I'm going to give it a crack. Let's talk original Broadway cast. Uh, so back in 2005, John Lloyd Young uh, starred as Frankie Valley. We talked about him a little bit before. He also transferred that role to the film. So if you're watching the movie, for those of you who like the movie, 2014. So it was a big gap between um, his Broadway stint and and the movie, mm. in theory, except that that Broadway show ran for a long time. Yeah, well, so I don't know how long he was on Broadway for. Um, uh, Tommy DeVito, Christian Hoff, Bob Gordio, Daniel Reichard. I'm so <laughs> – I just really need to be really careful with the names. Nick Massey, <laughs> J. Robert Spencer. I feel like we've talked about J. Robert Spencer in a previous episode because I remember making a thing he was about in next to normal. just J being his first name. Mm, um, we haven't he done must have been in other stuff that we've ah. talked about. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. No, we haven't done sideshows. Yeah, so, mm. oh, Mary Delgado was played by <laughs> Jennifer Nino. There's, a, there's an A and an I in there. Bob Crew by Peter Grigas. Gyp DiCarlo, Mark Lotito, Joe Pesci was played by Joe Pesci. No, that, <laughs> that would have been cool though. That would have been so cool. Like if he could just play himself. Be interesting. But the younger version of Michael himself. Longoria actually had the pleasure. Um, and a few other people have been in it. Erica Piccinini played Lorraine. And uh, she also, also transferred to the film, as did Demi Kerr in the uh, – Donnie Kerr, sorry, in the role of Norm. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, the – Frankie's daughter is played by Sarah Schmidt in the original. Um, they did a bit of a different thing in the film because they cast younger versions of her as well and sort of added her into the story mm-hmm. in a little bit more. Um, so there were a few more kids, kiddly winks in that one. Uh, US tour, the first US tour, uh, Christopher Kale Jones in the role of Frank- Frankie Valley, uh, Devon May, Eric Bergen, and Michael Ingersoll rounded out the four seasons. Uh, and there's not too much other exciting stuff. West End, Ryan Malloy played Frankie Valley, Glenn Carter, Stephen Ashfield, and Philip Bolcock uh, were the other three seasons. Um, and there's an international tour cast listed on the site too. Not too many familiar names in there for me personally. Uh, the other fun point is Christopher Walken, we mentioned earlier, played Jip DiCarlo in yeah. the film. So scary. Yeah. So and good. we have had two Australian casts. We have. And they're not on Wikipedia. They're not on Wikipedia. So Wikipedia. somebody needs to fix that. What are you doing? Um, um, Josh, who's in the current cast? <laughs> This will be a test, a test of your metal. A really well, actually, reading, test. reading interestingly enough, I'll, I'll start off with the Frankies because um, the way that they work Frankie Valley is a f- person playing Frankie will never do two in a day uh, because the show is so massively vocally demanding for that performer that mm. if you've got a matinee and an evening show, you'll break it up between two performers. Uh, so there's an alternate Frankie Valley as well, which is interesting that the um, they don't the breakdown the yeah doesn't yeah. doesn't give That's that. A bit offensive, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So at the moment, our Frankie Valley is the wonderful Ryan Gonzalez. He's very talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, our alternate Frankie Valley is Daniel Razzo. Cool. Um, our Tommy DeVito is Cameron McDonald. Bob Gordio is played by Thomas McGuan. Nick Massey is Glaston Toff. Oh, the and greatest he did, Nick he did Massey. the first Australian tour He did well. the first Australian tour. So is he the only one of the, the lead Four Seasons cast that to have done both? Uh, no, Cameron McDonald did the last tour. Um, he understudied Tommy De- uh, DeVito at that point, so this uh-huh. time he's now stepped up into the role. Good job. Um, I believe. St- I, sorry, just <laughs> pointing out my uh, personal history with Cameron. No, I I do not know him from a bar of soap, but I, the first thing I saw him in was Alter Boys, so I have a lot of trouble visualizing him <laughs> as anything else. <laughs> See, that show is a bit special, but oh. each of those characters are really strong sort of character types. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just find it really difficult. Would you like to come and see it with Katie? Yeah, they are both boy bands, so maybe it's true. Oh, there's a theme. Maybe there's it will be all right. Maybe is that all he does? He, must <laughs> uh, he was also actually um, recently in Beautiful as well. Not a boy band, but uh, <laughs> biopic. Carol King, the new boy band. Yes, <laughs> starring Cameron. Uh, our Nick Massey, as before mentioned, Glass and Toff, and I think statistically he is the Nick Massey who has done the most performances in the world. Because I he's want the to say best that. in the world. He's done something like 1,250 <laughs> performances as Nick Massey. Wow. He's so good at it, guys. Buy a ticket to see Glastontop. <laughs> the only Nick Massey that has come even close was Lewis Griffiths, who is in the UK tour at the moment. And I saw him in Newcastle. And I was like... Like, I'm always gunning for Massey because Massey's my favourite. But Glaston is the best. You can tell him that. No, I'll let him know. Please I will, tell I will, him I will. That. I'll tell him. <laughs> Surely he's listening to the whole episode. Right? <laughs> uh, continuing down the line, uh, Mary Delgado is played by Christina D'Agostino. Uh, Bob Crew is Glenn Hill. Gyp DiCarlo um, is uh, Enrico Mamalella. I, I'm, oh. I think I said his name wrong. I'm so it. sorry, Ricky. Delightful. Uh, yeah. Joe Pesci is is played by me, what? Josh Mulheron. No way. Wow. <laughs> we should probably definitely go see it then. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just repeat that name one more time? Uh, Joe Pesci? Yeah. Or? No, no. The uh, actor's uh, name? Josh Mulheron. Okay, there we go. That's you, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I think we've got a couple. <laughs> uh, continuing down from that, Norm Waxman is played by Luigi Lucente. Luigi. I love that name. You have a great name, Luigi. Lorraine? Uh, uh, Lorraine is played by, I'm, I'm going to stuff up her last name. I'm so sorry. Uh, Mia DC, her, her last name is uh, Dear Chandler. Uh, it's hyphenated. Do you want me to try it's, it? It's, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, Francine is played by Mackenzie Dunn. Um, I feel like that's a really small list. Yeah, it, it is. It is a very We're, small um, list. We're missing Hank Majewski off here. Uh, uh, one of the tricky things with the show is everybody plays multiple players. Uh, so, like, I'll play Joe Pesci for, like, 30 minutes in the show, but then I'll play so many other different characters. Uh, so Hank Majewski is played by Scott McConnell. Uh, Barry Belson, who is the radio host, uh, is played by Ruthany Spooner. Uh, and he's a Kiwi, actually. Fun fact. <gasps> cool. So the entire oh, – oh, here's a controversial topic. Uh, with Australian musical theatre – uh, our entire talent. Our, our entire cast is Australian except for Ruthany, uh, who's Kiwi. So that's that's an honorary Australian, I, I believe. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, guys, yeah. it's okay. We adopt all the best New Zealanders. Yeah, as our own. Sam Neill. That's the list <laughs> so far. Um, 
look, I I don't mind a, a few visitors coming over and having some fun in Australian musical theatre. We mm. do the same thing. It's fine. We do. It's fine. Uh, and then continuing on there, we also have four fantastic swings. We have Sage Douglas, Joseph Name, Jack O'Reilly, and Matthew Prime. Um, who cover all of those roles is only, you know, Sage covers all three girls. Joseph covers about five oh. roles. Jack's got seven. Mm. Uh, Matt Prime covers it another five or six. Um, and the way that they break down the understudying is each season is covered by two people in the cast. Uh, so I myself understudy Frankie Valley. Uh, if I Ooh. get the chance to go on for that one, dream role. How many uh, times? Well. You haven't gone I on haven't yet? yet. <gasps> no. What do we need to do to make that happen? <laughs> I, guess, I guess because there's already an alternate. Yeah, like, so the, it's, the tricky it's way that like breaks being down, a yes, second understudy? is, is, is a little bit like the second cover. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've more chance of going on on a two show day. Uh, than an, yeah, another yeah. day. But, no, um, kudos to the two boys, um, Daniel and, and Ryan. They've got Voices of Steel. They're just phenomenal that they can continually day after day sing yeah. such an insane vocal score. So. And so much of it. And so much of it yeah. too. If you, you go and see the show, Frankie is literally on stage almost the entire time. Mm. There's maybe a section act one where he doesn't do two of the songs on there and then act two, he goes off to do one costume change and then is on for the entire of act two. It's very impressive. Never, never leaves the stage. He has to have like little drink breaks choreographed into the show where they've got like cups of water in the scene where, you know, he'll drink from a coffee cup with water so that he can get through. So yeah, it's it's the Eliza Doolittle of of the modern (laughs) stage. Um, We don't often talk about production elements in the, a lot of our podcasts, but I like that this staging is so simple for the, I guess, uh, d- brevity of the storyline. Like you're going across a lot of years, you've seen a lot of stuff, and at the end of the day it's a scaffolding yeah. <laughs> set. They haven't tried to to create a box set for no. everything and make everything look yes. real. No. Because that would have been... No. Insane, and you would have had spent ninety percent of the show in with scene change underscoring, yeah, or blackouts or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. everything, I think that the way that they've done it is really interesting. I think the direction of the show is what brings so much of it um, to the forefront for me as a, as an excellent musical, and it's that um, idea of like little things, like everyone who leaves Frankie Valley's life goes through that top door, yeah, and leaves up on top and goes back, off. Goes comes back through that same door. It's like such a simple direction, but I think is really effective, and I I really enjoy that. It's it's a it's a I don't know a whole everything's been thought of. It isn't just the choreography that pops or the music that pops. It's every little bit working in in harmony and like a drum kit spiraling around the stage on its own track. <laughs> like, come on, guys! <laughs> I, I do appreciate a show that includes the music in the staging. Yeah, and um, that's I did really enjoy that and seeing this show that yeah. intrinsically a part of their story yeah. is their music. So it would have been a very different show if they'd just put an orchestra in the pit yeah. and, and done a bit of miming on guitars. Yeah. It, you wouldn't have seen the music, you know, in front of you. It, it would have been completely different and yeah. probably quite dull. Yeah. So thank you for putting the band on stage. Yeah. Miranda loves a band on stage, That's doesn't she? Great. Yes, she does. Yes, yeah, she does. Answering my own question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Anywho. great. Anywho. 
Anyway, that anyone else? I mean, I I could talk about several different of the production elements. There's some really cool things that you wouldn't necessarily notice in the show unless you'd kind of someone kind of told you. So I'll give I'll give a couple of little things here and there. I feel like we need to all, you know, kind of silence. Listeners, if you tell anyone, we'll know it was you. I'll, uh, someone put a timer on so I don't go over 10 minutes because we could be here a while. <laughs> uh, but no, one of the one of the things that kind of separates our current tour uh, from the previous one of, of Australia is we're doing more of a, not necessarily condensed, but an easier to tour version of the show. Whereas previously they had a lift in the stage uh, and the original Broadway run had this as well. I don't think the off-Broadway one does. Um, but they had a lift in the stage where the microphones would come up and, and down from. Um, and at the end for ragdoll where the boys come out and they do their final performance at the hall of fame they kind of come up from the stage and you know appear uh for us because we've obviously done sydney we're in brisbane we're in melbourne next um and we've gone around quite quickly in each city we've got tracks on the stage that bring the microphones on and off and a couple of the things like the the church seat comes on um a lot of the props are either moved on by cast members or Actually, no, the cast members do move on a lot of the yeah, props as and well. And, like, real so quick. Real you guys quick. have got that they down were, to a They tea. were very on about the transitions because, like you said, there's basically there's so nothing on the stage. Yeah. There's a scaffolding and that's it. So all the transitions on have to look so smooth or otherwise you'll notice that they're happening. Then you go, oh, everybody's bringing on a chair and a table. Yeah. So one of the things they kind of pride themselves on this show is how detail-orientated it is. Um, and in breaking the show down into the four seasons, each season has a different colour scheme but not only for the costumes, but also the props on stage. So you'll notice, well, you probably won't notice unless you're sitting in the front row, but in the summer and spring seasons, any cup that has a straw in it, the straw is red. But then in act two, when it's in fall and winter, they're then black. Same thing thing with the phones. The phones start off being yellow phones in, in act one in the summer season. And then in winter, they're white. So all these kind of very subtle things happen on stage to kind of go from being this bright, happy story bursting to when everything starts to break down, almost all the colour kind of comes yeah. out of the story as well. So there's all these little details like that. And, and you said the when people die or leave the seasons or Frankie's life, they kind of leave up by the OP parapet and they walk off into not death or, you know, the light or things like that. But, yeah, when Francine passes away or Nick Massey passes away, they kind of walk off. That way, Mary Delgado, when she divorces him, leaves that way as well. Lorraine, when she leaves Frankie's life. So they've got all of these continuity kind of things that come back around and link the show together in costuming and staging that uh, it's very detail-oriented and I think it's such an incredible little thing that maybe not necessarily an audience member would notice, but the actors particularly go, okay, well, we're going through 30 years of a time frame. What kind of separates mm. the spring season from the winter season? It's all these little costume changes or the scenery or the props mm. that kind of, I don't know, make it a real story. And it's not, it's not a big production number value. There isn't all these bells and whistles going, oh, we'll distract you from maybe something that's not really great. Because it's so minimalistic, it's really dependent on the actors and the sound and everybody's performances to really tell this story. Yeah. The storytelling is clearly the centre yeah. Yeah. of the show. And the story itself. And I yeah. think that's what makes it work better than some of some other jukebox shows. Yeah. Like The Boy From Oz has got a lot of problems. It's essentially the same format, right? But completely different in its presentation yeah. and delivery 
Yeah. Completely different. I don't think it's tried to turn itself into musical theatre. I think it's been like this is our sound and we'll tweak it a bit to like get this like get the the continuity I guess mm. in there but I don't I don't know I think it doesn't come across as as that show it's not they're not show tunes and they haven't tried to turn them into show tunes what they kind of said to us in in I guess the dramaturgy and breaking down the script and everything like that the show itself is essentially a play with music dispersed throughout it you know we're not mm-hmm. telling we're not telling a story through song like some musical well most musicals kind of progress their story when the emotion gets too much they then have to sing yep <laughs> ours is because it's a a rock band a lot of our songs are performances that don't drive the the play or the script they just exist they're being like the at this but point they definitely now. comment on it yeah oh. like they've been placed with purpose yeah. yes and and they are a reflection of what's happening yeah. which is similar to what how the songs are used in beautiful when yeah. we were talking about that a few weeks ago the the interesting thing for us that kind of separates jersey from beautiful is beautiful follows exactly chronologically where her songs fall except for I think the opening and the closing. So they'll do all of their recording sessions as it happened. For Jersey Boys, because we span over 30 years, we do get up to, after the big three, Sherry Walk Like a Man, Big Girls Don't Cry, from there on out the songs become less chronological and then they start commenting on what's happening at that point mm. until we jump back into winter when it becomes Frankie Valley doing, you know, Come on Marianne, Working My Way, Can't yep. Take. Those are all back into chronological but things like Dawn and Stay, Big Man in Town, all those songs happened at different times, but they're placed in such a way to drive the story in the yep. song, while not necessarily commenting on them, are in a place that does build the tension and pushes it towards the, the I guess, removal of Tommy from the band as being the big yeah. climactic point in Act 2. It's very clever. It's had a lot of thought put into it. <laughs> The storytelling is is at the forefront and that's my favourite thing. So let's talk about Dreamcast. Oh. <laughs> so, guys, who do we want to put in this show? Dreamcast. It's our Dreamcast. It's a hard one. It's a, it's hard, a hard one. Oh, I really just realised this is a hard one because it's the first time I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> oh my goodness! This is some great listening. Um, all right. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big cast in terms of like casting, <laughs> casting the show. So obviously, the the casting directors have done an amazing job on any production since we're like we don't know. Um, I'm just gonna say not that I. <laughs> And said it enough already. I'd keep Glaston in there as Nick Massey in any of my <laughs> dream casts. He's the bomb. Go see the show. Literally the bomb. Literally the bomb with a D-A. Um, is Zach going to pull off Frankie Valley? No. Well, here's the, I mean, Dreamcast for this show is kind of interesting because each of these roles have to be so specific. Like Frankie's got to be underneath a certain height. Bob and Nick have to be above a certain height. So if you want to keep it in the realms of real casting as opposed to uh, to fake casting, but I'll throw my hat in the ring and say maybe Zac Efron for uh, Bob Gordio. Yes! Bob Gordio. Didn't even tell him to do that, guys. He's on <laughs> the team. He's not wearing a weird cast Zac Efron T-shirt, which you can buy for yourself. I am. But- <laughs> 
Well, no, still I, um, cast Zac Efron. I, recent, I recently watched The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't see it when it came out. It was only two weeks ago that I saw it. So it's very okay. recently. Bad musical That's fine. Fan. Um, Bad fan. I still haven't I know. seen it. <laughs> and he played, he played a showman quite well. Yeah, um, he did. And, and, and while Gordio's a little bit of the awkward, shy one, there is kind of a youthful nature about him. Um, one of... One of the people that actually played Bob Gordia that most people may or may not know was Andrew Rannells. That's actually awesome. had a stint on on Broadway before, Best. obviously going into the Book of Mormon, uh, where he played Bob Gordio. So you yes. could any kind of young, semi-tall person for that. So you know, I reckon Zac Efron could go in there. Good old Zac in the cast. I also might contest Zac for the first time ever <gasps> with. <laughs> Staying so happy, but I don't think you're gonna like the alternatives, though. Ooh. Is it Audra McDonald? <laughs> How did you know? Um, as Joe Pesci. As Joe Pesci. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw um, Taron Edgerton into the ring for this one because he's been singing a lot in a lot of movies. Oh, he's about to play Elton John in the Elton John biopic oh, yeah. movie Rocket Man. He's, he would, did sing. He was the gorilla in the animated movie Sing. He can play piano. Oh, okay. I, think he, I think he'd be a good time. <laughs> Have you seen ta- the good He's time. the guy that's in Kingsman. If you've seen Kingsman. No, he's I the guy in Eddie the Eagle. Have you seen Eddie the Eagle? Uh, the new Robin Hood movie. The, he's in the new Ro- Oh, my goodness, Julie, you're impossible. <laughs> Julie, Julie, Julie. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, yeah. But look, um, Zach would also do a great job, and I'm always happy for Zach to be in the show. Hey, Zane, it's a good time with Zach Efron. In Zane's there. nodding and smiling <laughs> and um, gesturing emphatically that that is a good time. Emphatically, emphatically. Um, cool. This is too hard. So we have two people cast. This is really um, hard. Frankie Belly, I think, is a difficult one to to throw oh, actors. I've got a joke. Like, what's the joke, oh, Julie? Julie, no. Tom Cruise, <laughs> Anthony Kalia, Anthony Kalia. <laughs> he might be great. He might what are you talking about? There, he's a good height. He can. He's a great he, height, and that's the only reason sing. I thought of him. His last name ends in a vowel, he's, so maybe he's, he's in. in. <laughs> he's in. What's his last name? Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Anthony Clear. Um, yeah. Look, oh man, I think this is a. I think this is a really difficult show to cast. Um, so the what, casting types are because, so specific. Yes, the casting types are so specific, and like you've, most of them have to kind of look like they're Italian, right? Like be able to pass at least for Jersey ish. Uh, like. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a difficult one. I mean, I'm too close to the, you know, I I, I, I see the four seasons every night, so it's very difficult to imagine anybody other than our guys kind of doing and it. And to be fair, like the when you like four seasons, <laughs> yeah, the uh, original. Can we well, get them back together? Even now, when I listen to like the original Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, the They're people I'm wrong. picturing <laughs> is like Stephen Mai and Bobby Fox, and the first people I saw in the show because that's the. It's kind of like when you read a book and you've seen the movie. That's yeah. the character. <laughs> You have. Um, so I've cast. Googled tall singers to try and fill the other two <laughs> roles. That's going to be a great Google. That's going to bring up helpful stuff. <laughs> I've got Wiz Khalifa. No. And, and oh. John Ma- Mayer. 
John Mayer? Please. Actually, I'll I'll put John Mayer down for um for Tommy DeVito. Oh yeah, okay, no, he's, no, done. John Mayer. He's a little bit um I don't know grit. Like I don't want to say he's a bit of an asshole, but can but. we put that one in there? Is that a bad word? Okay, so <laughs> he's a bit of a, a you know like a, an a hole. Goes you know what? I'm good at what I do. You should respect me for my art, uh, which is which is pretty much Do- Tommy DeVito. He goes, you know, yeah. this is who I am. I'm not going to make any excuses for it. You'll either like me or you won't. And he looks so. slightly Italian. He does. He's, he's got that look. It. John Mayer. I've cast somebody in this show. Well I'm done. so proud of you. <laughs> Guys, for Chip DiCarlo, I really want to see Mandy Patinkin play the role. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, all right. Or could we use real Joe Pesci in that role? <gasps> He yeah maybe we would could. he do it would he be too angry still would probably he be too angry I don't know don't know maybe we'll ask him Joe okay. if you're listening dear Joe just dear Joe. um call us on that invisible number that we seem to have <laughs> and let us know if you want to play Chip to Carlo at any point we'll make it happen as best the we can boys that we're putting on with uh, John Mayer <laughs> with John Mayer. And Zach Efron. And Anthony Kalia. <laughs> Don't forget Anthony Kalia. <laughs> anyway, let's move on since we really I don't have. Top. That's, that's all the big ones. Well, the dream, the stream cast. It's the dream cast for now. If we have any uh, changes, we'll just post them into the show notes because I think we might have to. Anyway, let's move on to that top five list. Woo! Top five lists. Have we done better than our Dreamcast? That is the question. <laughs> Where does this fall? Um, I would put it on top five jukebox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because I think that it it set up a form that worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, are we also putting like jukebox slash biopic? Or yeah. is biopic a uh, different list? I think it'd list? be a different, two different two list. Two different lists. Put it on both. Yeah, okay. All the lists in the land. <laughs> Uh, it's on my personal top five. It's on my scores. personal top five. This well. is why we're best friends. That's true now, finally. She loves me. Um, <laughs> is that also on the list? It is, is actually also on my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Top five twirling drum kits. Yep. Great. <laughs> or top five bands on stage. Bands on stage. Because of the mm-hmm. interesting way they use the instrumentalists yeah. on stage. Sure. I'm going to say that. Um, I would I would go top. Is this going to be controversial, Joe? No, no. It's a, I'm just trying to find the way to phrase it. Um, the it would top the list for most difficult vocal male part. Yeah, in a musical. great one. A hefty mm. male sing, <laughs> but, but not not necessarily for range. Um, like if you're singing the Phantom or something that's down so low. But to create every night consistently the Frankie Valley falsetto yeah. isn't isn't necessarily something that you can over time develop. Yeah. Mm. You almost have to be born with the right mechanism and vocal folds to be able to produce that sound. And to produce it consistently. And to yeah. produce it consistently. The, one of the, Not quite eight shows a week. <laughs> one of the crazy things I think is that this show just goes back to back to back to back, which I would – assume that Frankie Valli would do in his current shows while he tours is just sing all these songs in a row and you have to find someone that can not only just sing the song once but to sing an entire discography across a a two-and-a-half-hour show, yeah, six times a week. It's a lot. Yeah, definitely, definitely on that top five. And be below (laughs) (laughs) 5'8". There's also that. 
Below 5'8". Top five short leads. Top five short leads. It's also a lot broader description than I thought it would be. Under 5'8". That's bock. But yeah, 5'8 is still quite the munchkin tall, cast. though. Yeah, I like I I've I'm on the the taller end of the Frankie spectrum. I'm just the Frankie spectrum. <laughs> the, the Frankie well, no, spectrum. Because we've got I think Raz is five four. Daniel Razzo is five four. Um, I say Daniel Radcliffe is five. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> actually he's five five. He could probably play Frankie Valley. Daniel Radcliffe really? or Joe Pesci or, or Pesci. Oh, I think you're gonna say Joe. Daniel Radcliffe could play Joe Pesci. Yes, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so I'm Daniel Razzo is 5'4". Ryan, I think, is 5'6". And then I come in at about 5'7 and a half. Wow. 5'8", if I'm wearing risers in my shoes. <laughs> I was expecting probably more along the 5'5". Five five Me too, 5'5". Five five so 5'8 five is quite tall. Yeah, um, what I was expecting. Because it, it kind of relatively falls in with the rest of the cast as well. Yeah. Um. So Glaston's like six four He's six five. One. He's yes. really tall. Um. Tom comes in at about six two for Gordio height. Wow. That makes um, it easy to look short then, doesn't and it? And then yeah. Cameron's at about six foot as well. Wow. So, so even for me, like I'm shorter than the other three, so then it works out height wise. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll put it onto the list of most specific casting heights as well. <laughs> um, I think we might be surprised how often that is a thing. But, um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, for it to have to have that exact sort of relationship. Yeah. I wonder if there's any rules that Alphaba has to be taller than Glinda. Well, Everyone women, I've seen has been. Women, it's easier to fix it with shoes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously, it though, it is. It's um, true. You get a five or a and you're like, ooh, got to put some big shoes big, on her. Well, just Large get her hair. those boots, the really big boots. Oh, boots. <laughs> <laughs> with a T, Julie, boots. So um, specific height <laughs> casting shows, uh, yeah, Jersey top. Boys. The Sound of Music kids. <laughs> yeah, um, the kids the are tall these days, what though. Else? That's got to be, be trickier and trickier. The kids are tall these days. <laughs> Back um, in my day. <laughs> the uh, most recently Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for people that wanted to be an ensemble oh, yeah. had to be below a certain height. True, because adults play playing children. Yeah, yeah, they've got no, the adults playing the children. Oh. Yeah. Except for Charlie. Very strange. So we'll get into confused. that later. Um, any more top five lists for Jersey Boys? Um, Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys. I mean, I could, I could come up with this a few more singing, music, but this it's is not the theme from... song for Jersey Boys, guys. You heard it here first. What? You know me. I like a theme song for every segment. Um, I would. I would put it into a list of shows that contain the most songs yes. in a show. It might be up there. It might um, be up there. Act, well, act one has 22 different songs, I think. Jeez, not Louise. sung through. Let's be specific. <laughs> <laughs> not, well, not sung entirely through, yeah. but we do at least 16 bars of 22 songs. Yeah. That's still a lot. <laughs> Although if you want to get technical, Cessoir is a repeat of Oh, What a Night. So no, not that technical. Not it's that. in a different language. It counts. It counts. Any more top fives, guys? No. Any a top um, five unexpected rap openings. Yes. Okay, name the other <laughs> four. <laughs> the rest of that list. Hamilton. <laughs> Is that not unexpected? Okay. <laughs> um, um, I could, yeah, I could put it. I could put in the list of top five shows I didn't think would have a rap number in them. That's true. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or top five surprise uh-huh. opening numbers. Yes. 
other than time travel musicals. <laughs> time travel. Okay, we need to stop. Sorry, okay. we're, uh, it's gone, it's we gone off the rails. I going to end there, and we're going to come back with the lessons that we learn. Jersey boys, what did it teach us, guys? Oh my goodness, we've lost Julie. Well, I learned Julie's all gone. about. The story of Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, which I believe is the tag show tag line of the show. Is it mm. the story of Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons? Yeah. Perfect. Actually, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Who would have thought? I looked at the website. <laughs> what have you guys been doing? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Any any other lessons? Good lesson, like Julie. We struggle with lessons with jukebox shows and biopics yeah. because they don't they don't teach morals like I think this to... one does though in terms of like maybe don't <gasps> screw over your bandmates you know what oh. <laughs> get an accountant get, get an, an accountant. accountant they had an accountant well actually yeah there is there's an opening scene in act two I played the accountant assistant yeah. in where where Tommy kind of comes in and goes oh I need you to write a check for ten thousand dollars to a, a construction company which is obviously his front to withdraw funds out of the band's tax account to use for his gambling addiction um and nick massey's in the room as well and he goes oh you know should we really be drawing down from this account and the accountant's like let's not do this we've got to put something aside for tax and he's like just do what i tell you to do i don't care if you're the accountant it's my money so he had an accountant so listen to your accountant is the lesson exactly yeah. listen right. to your accountant. don't forget to put aside money for the tax man yeah just if you're creative just don't gamble it. it well yeah and and the the crazy thing and the reason why they didn't kick Tommy out long before they found out about his gambling debt was because he was the one that was in charge of dealing with the managers and the producers and and kind of had the money side of things. So when they would play a show at a fair or a carnival, he story time here, he would go to the payer and request everything in cash and he would bring a bag, he'd put the, the bag down in front of the guy and he'd place a gun Empty or loaded, you, you wouldn't Ooh. know. He'd put a gun down there and watch the guy count the money and put it in the bag. Then he'd take it, take the gun, leave. And the band obviously found out years later that when Tommy then went to pay everybody else, he would lie about how much they'd been getting paid for each gig, would skim however much off the top he wanted to use as gambling and then split the rest out being like, oh, okay, we only got paid 50000 for this gig, whereas they got paid 80000 He'd pocket the extra thirty. And walk away. So if there's a, a lesson to learn about that, about I don't know, creatives or producers or anyone that's kind of in a band that's dealing with you know, friends or family or you know someone you're working with with money, is to you know make sure you're not just get a receipt, not blindly trusting people <laughs> yeah. with money because they they could well be you know taking a little bit off the top. Two people should be watching the finances at least. Uh, Use the electronic transfer. <laughs> Which, yes, is, it's probably... <laughs> it's a bit different now. <laughs> probably a little harder to, yeah, I guess skim thousands yeah, of dollars yeah, off yeah. your bandmates. but it still happens. There are some theatres that it's happened to, but um, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> there is a lesson, I think, in that... Uh, in Bob Gordio's persistence, I think, that if you believe that you have a product that's good or you are good, just keep on keeping on because somebody will eventually join you in that and will believe it too. And you might have the next big hit that lasts decades. We don't know. I mean, if you look at the uh, the song breakdown being like, oh, you know, what their name was at that time, like they went through 
20 something different names and there's a joke in there that Nick Massey kind of goes oh who are we going to be today because they've changed their name that many times to to kind of figure out who they were or what they were and there's even yeah. the story of how they came up with the four seasons we used the the bowling alley sign but other people have gone oh you know it's from the hotel or yeah you know, obviously Vivaldi's a joke in there as well that he used the name as well. Um, so, yeah, there is that kind of persistence thing yeah. being like, you know what? Vivaldi we, we... really loved bowling. <laughs> <laughs> and even with I can't take uh, can't take my eyes off of you, nobody wanted to play that on the radio. Yeah. And he was like, no, put, like this song is the song. This is going to be a hit. Yeah. And everybody and went, oh, but this is such a weird song. We're never yeah. going to play it. And then it goes on to sell three million records. Nice. Maybe if, even if you're a little bit weird. Well, it will happen. Good what things about can come. the ape song, though? Doesn't that <laughs> disprove that lesson? Uh, like that, not all comedy lands. Yes, just because you <laughs> believe it's a hit, you don't. Sometimes persistence isn't key. But He's Miranda, still persisting. Though, sometimes maybe one day we're talking about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. People know it. Yep. Okay. So. Well, you know, get Ariana Grande to. <laughs> Wow. Release that one. Come on, Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> well, didn't she release one of the other songs? Yeah, but that's not her name. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Ariana. That's right. The last one. Grande. Yeah. <laughs> Pronounce the E. Grande. Any other lessons, guys? Miranda doesn't know how to pronounce. <laughs> We've just learned how to pronounce Ariana Grande's (laughs) name. Thank you, Jersey boys. Uh, (laughs) Anything Uh, else? um, We must be done. We must be done. Lessons learned. What is this? (laughs) Um, I think someone before mentioned friendship or something somewhere around the table. Friendship. I I don't know. Loyalty. Probably Zane. Yeah, there's a smart one of the group. Like, there's a real, I guess, kind of. Before it all breaks down, one of the things our directors kind of said to us, they were like, if it feels like these four guys aren't a band who are working together as a cohesive unit, then the show doesn't work because it is a show about four guys that are together and working together to create this sound and this music. Without without the four different harmonies in the songs, Sherry wouldn't sound the same. Mm. You know, you can't have Frankie Valli's falsetto without Nick Massey's bass mm. in there. And even at the end when he branches off into Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, he's still got four guys that back him doing all the vocals, doing all the, the guitars and things like that. So it is kind of a, a story of, yeah, four guys that come together and create almost a family in a way, mm. you know, that if you have a dream where you want to get there, you kind of can't do it without having some kind of trust and loyalty with someone. Yeah. Um, and in saying that, one of the crazy things in the show um, – is the relationship between Frankie and Bob Gordio where they have a handshake where they go, okay, we've got something good going here. Let's band together and instead of just taking each of our separate royalties or money or whatever from the show, we're going to pool everything together into one bank account, split it 50-50 evenly, uh, and for the rest of our career we'll work as a team rather than just two guys that work together. And they didn't write any of this down on paper, didn't have a lawyer go over it, anything like that. They literally, after a gig, just sat down, shook each other's hand, and went, okay, we're in this for the long run. And for over 40 years have continued to put all of their earnings into one account, split it between the two of them 50-50, and that's how they've worked it for their entire career, have just on a handshake gone, you know what, we're good together, 
let's keep doing this. So there's, there's something in there about finding someone that you really work with musically or, mm. you know, creatively and going, okay, I see something here. Let's work together, have an open conversation and, and yeah. Stick into your word. Trust and loyalty. Trust Trust and loyalty. loyalty. I think that's a nice place to end on, guys. Trust and loyalty. Um, let's let's uh let's just take a little break. So, Josh. Are you any in anything at the moment? Like, <laughs> is there anything that you want to plug? Uh, apart from Jersey Boys, yeah, we're at uh, we're at QPAC for the for until February mid February. Mid was it February nineteenth? I think it's seventeen. Okay. Don't 17. you just do what I do when you're in a show? You just rock up when you're told to rock, rock up. up. Yeah, that's it. I <laughs> got an email every night. The end dates. <laughs> <laughs> so Jersey Boys at QPAC till February seventeenth. Yes. Um, if people want to like follow you, where can they find you? Uh, I'm I'm on everything. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Josh Mulheron is all my handlers, keeping it nice and uh, simple. Ooh, look at you go. Spell. How do you spell that? Josh. Uh, so Josh J O S H uh, Mulheron is M U L H E R A N. Uh, just amazing. like it sounds. Yeah, exactly. That's I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I was amazing. expecting that just as much as I was expecting the rap opening to Jersey Boys. <laughs> it's very unexpected, yeah. Yeah. but it kind of rolls off the tongue after a while. Oh yeah. Um, but no, apart from doing musical theatre um, and Jersey Boys at the moment, obviously, I'm also current um, currently in a band called Gunning for Alley. Cool. Uh, so we're we're a pop rock kind of vibe um, for all those. I, I don't. I use the the term loosely, but kind of nostalgic emo kids from maybe two thousand five. Where Amazing. I grew up listening to music like Panic at the Disco, yes. Jack's Mannequin, all those kind of all time low. Anything that you could think of when you were a a seventeen year old in your room, you know, with long dark hair and a fringe in front of your face. Which it's amazing. I listen I to a lot had. of Simple Plan. It's fine. Um, <laughs> That's it. So where can we find all the band stuff? Uh, so the band is on Spotify. In uh, we're also on Instagram, Twitter, all of those things. Uh, our music's on iTunes. Last year we released our debut EP, Everyday War, uh, which is a five track EP that's got one of our songs, Braille, which was a song that kind of started the whole thing off that I wrote uh, about a friend of mine that got sick. And this song was kind of, in a way, saying, you know, every day is a little bit difficult, but if you can fight against those things, you know, there will be that better day when you can come through whatever challenge or difficult thing you're trying to overcome. And and that'll you know, that kind of song springboarded, I guess, this little side project of mine that I wanted to kind of put together some songs and music of what I was doing into a band and yeah, we released a five track EP, put it out. Um, Braille got played on Triple J, which was yeah, well pretty cool. Love some uh, Australian music on that. Uh, and yeah, and then hopefully this year we're looking forward to recording some more music, maybe putting out another EP, maybe a cover of I Go Ape. Maybe yeah, yeah that could that could <laughs> possibly be it if, if it's yeah, good enough for Ariana. Idea. It's yeah. good enough for Gunning for Ali. There you go, guys. You heard it here first. Listen out for that EP when it gets released. I think it will be called I Go Ape, right? That will be the title of the next EP. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah we'll, we'll go Just with something. Title, yeah. title, yeah. Workshop. Working, working Workshop title, plan. working title. Um, now, you guys are probably long-term listeners and have heard the spiel before, but for those of you who haven't, there are lots of ways you can connect with Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. How? How can I connect? Well, we have a Facebook page. Do we? We do. We have a Twitter account. Oh, my God. We have Instagram. 
And the handles on that all change for each social media outlet. Because your device out. so We're really good at this. Are you ready? Facebook is at Muc- at Musicals. <laughs> at Musicals taught me everything I know. It's the whole thing. There we go. And then Twitter is at, at Teach Musicals. Teach me. Teach. Teach me. Teach Musicals. Teach me. <laughs> Miranda can never find us on Twitter, and now she knows why. <laughs> And I don't. I don't. I don't do the Twitter. You don't do the no, Twitter. I don't, I don't tweet. Okay, we'll get you into it one day. I'm sure. Sorry. Instagram is the same. The musicals teach me. Um, and also we are on iTunes, Spotify, your favorite podcasting station. Essentially, yeah. you will find us. Um, but the real kicker. I think it's Patreon. And if you become one of our patrons on Patreon, there's a myriad of uh, of different uh, extra episodes, episode, like, top fives, the original two episodes that we recorded ooh, before we were famous. You got they were they're long ones. Um, they are very but the reward, the reward. They're unedited. It's like getting. Extra for free, except you're paying for it. It's but only, it's less than a cup of coffee. It's really, really not that expensive. A dollar, a US dollar a month, right, Zane? Yeah. Yes, that's it. A US dollar a month is going to get you all of that and. Bonus rewards is if we get to a certain number of subscribers or extra patrons. Extra things start happening. Extra things start happening. Zane's going to sing and dance for you. Um, we might we- dress up as cats. Look, there are lots of things and it will only happen with your help. Yeah. You want to see it. Please. You want to see, uh, what's it called? The Necronomicon. Necronomicon. Yeah. Ne- I can't say Ariana Grande, <laughs> but I can say Necronomicon. And that is what Zayn will perform to you if we get to 500 patrons. I think it's 1,000. But I just, anyway. I really tried hard then to decrease the number, Miranda. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. But yes, if you would like to become a patron, it is patreon.com forward slash musicals taught me everything I know. Thank you so much much for joining us on this episode of Jersey Boys. It was lovely to meet you, Josh. Thank you so much. No, for thank you in. so much for having me. It's been fun. Anytime. Feel free to come back anytime. Sure. I'll, I'll uh, hopefully, you know, be in more musicals and we'll come back and discuss those ones too. Ooh, maybe. Get ready, guys. <gasps> it's been me, KB. <laughs> Miranda Selwood. Julie Eisentrager. And our special guest. Josh Mulheron. Thank you so much for listening. Zane has his hands, head in his hands. We're going to end it there. See you next week. Bye. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm. 